The game is afoot. The show has begun. How many drinks does everyone have today? I literally just finished my coffee. So now I only have water. So it's not going well. <laughs> I went for the three. I was like, I'm going for it. Oh, nice. What do you have? I got ice water, coffee, and a sparkling icy. Oh, where do you get a sparkling icy? I don't know. My friend uh, flew into town for the writer's retreat, and that's his mixer of choice. So we had leftover. I'm just drinking it. <laughs> Delightful. I didn't know this was a thing until I learned recently you could get like a Red Bull slushies. And I don't usually drink energy drinks, but I would drink me a Red Bull slushie. I love Red Bull. The same friend literally gets one of those every day. Oh, their poor heart. I know. Yep. My heart is physically <laughs> hurt hearing that. <laughs> Welcome to the Act Break, where we're talking about all things story. Take a break from your creative endeavors and hang out with us. Have a little simulated human interaction. Because internet friends totally count. We're constantly rusty but like you know when life just throws you off and so we decided to subject you to that <laughs> cool you're welcome good episodes lately i've really enjoyed the last few not that you know not that i'm oh, saying okay. that i haven't no. before that it's very know. nice you guys are finally you know getting <laughs> <laughs> finally getting your shit together <laughs> finally hitting our stride that's fair all episodes can't be of the same exact quality. Sure, we try, but when you're done making them, you're like, eh, this one's not going to be a home run, but, you know, it is going to fill a space. Yeah, I definitely remember that thought process where you're like, yeah, can't all be winners. <laughs> but thank you for listening. <laughs> yes, we're very grateful that you listen to us and then you still come talk to us. I'm like, man, I got to come make this better. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I got to come on and correct them. Get them straight on those. I, I've literally had arguments with you guys while listening to your podcasts. <laughs> Listen, I I would like for you to like record those and send them to us. What about? I want to know. What's the first thing that comes to mind? I'm just going to start my own podcast. It's a reaction podcast. <laughs> no, what's the first thing that comes to mind that you wish you could have yelled at us about? I feel like you, the things that you really want to yell at us about, you Discord message us. No, 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 no. Trust me. I, I filter myself for you guys. Oh. Yeah, like it's, oh. it's a nightmare otherwise. <laughs> wow. No wonder you showed up today. You really wanted to be able yeah, to have your say about tired it. Tired of being silenced by a pre-recorded episode that I'm listening to. <laughs> It does make me feel good, though, because I'm like, the whole concept was like, I want people to feel like they're with us. And if you feel like you can yell at it, I feel like it's pretty close to how it is when you're really with That's us. That's true. That's true. Okay. Welcome back to the Act Break podcast, folks. Today, we have a great conversation. I have to introduce my whole self first. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it'll be a great conversation. It's going to be great. I will it to be so, mainly because the two of you are here and you bring better dialogue than I do. Okay, I'm Carly, and I'm here. Thanks for being here, Carly. It's uh <laughs> about all I got for you. I am Jamie Redact, and my opinion of my speech and dialogue skills are so high that I co-created this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, the things that come out of my mouth are super valuable. I should share them with the world. 
And we are joined today by our friend AP. Hi, thanks for having me back again. <laughs> if you don't know who AP is, you must be new here. Consider yourself lucky. <laughs> no, no. The true luck is getting to know you, AP. But this will be your last episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cutting you off after this we'll one. Just walk into the ocean after this episode's over. <laughs> really tired of you yelling at us. Really? Really? That's what it is. I'm tired of yelling at you. Come at me correct. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is going to be spicy. Probably not as spicy as I think. You guys probably agree on on this topic. And that's why I'm, I was so interested in what you maybe were going to yell at us and disagree about because... Not every time, but often we're uh, our thoughts and opinions are close to being in the same alignment, AP and I. So I'm like, when you do differ, I want to hear about it because I want to know what's wrong with you. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'll start taking notes. I'll start trying to remember specific ones. Good, 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 good. To be fair, I think it's usually Carly I'm disagreeing with. Gasp. Shocker. <laughs> no. Disagree with me? I wouldn't say I was yelling at Carly while listening to her talk about Vonnegut, <laughs> but I was disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> uh, I am not surprised. You uh, very snobby people and your uh, high highfalutin <laughs> Vonnegut opinions. No, I haven't even read that much Vonnegut, so I'm, I'm just, just giving you shit. No, it's fine. <laughs> I don't care. All right. So as, sorry, guys, I feel like I'm stuck in a loop. Aren't we all? I've been living this day over and over for a thousand years. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, guys. Today we are discussing dialogue. The reason I want to have this conversation is because I feel like I suck at it. And I would like to hear all your juicy ideas about the dialoguing of it all in fiction. Well, just in general, I guess. Well, why do you think you suck? Because I don't practice it enough, and I feel like it is painful every time I have to write dialogue. No, like what What gives you the idea that you don't think your dialogue is good? Not like, what aren't you doing for your dialogue? Uh, making them sound like they're having real conversations instead of like, we're going to do a thing now. <laughs> I mean, that's how I feel when I'm writing dialogue. <laughs> So would you would you like uh, you feel like the conversations come off as more performative than organic? Yeah, yeah, they're there to serve what I need it to serve, and that's it. Like they don't feel like anything else to me. See, I wanted to have this conversation so I could ask you guys questions. Stop turning it around on me. No, just when you you know when you gave me the topic, I was when you said the thing. I was trying to think back to what I read of yours, and I was like, I don't remember any issue with dialogue. So I'm... I write as little dialogue as possible. <laughs> I try to craft my narrative to make it so I don't have to write dialogue as much as possible, which is why I like to write people alone all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then when somebody <laughs> show up, they're just trying to kill each other. So little dialogue, fight, 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 fight. Everybody's alone again. Yay. <laughs> now that I think about it, a lot of your characters are alone. <laughs> I mean, see? See what I did there? Smart. Very smart. It's a stylistic choice. Why deviate from it? You're, you're playing to your strengths. It's a legitimate strategy. I have something to admit. When a book kind of is seeming a little slow to me and I start to like skim read it, 
I will just go from dialogue to dialogue and kind of just like glance over the other stuff and skip straight to the dialogue. I do that too. Totally. hundred yep. percent. Okay, good. I'm like, good, next good. dialogue, next dialogue. Yep. I got what they're saying. Let's get this moving. Yeah. Even as somebody who loves like world building and stuff, but exactly if the book is feeling slow, I'm like, I don't care about any of this uh, exposition. What are they going to say to each other? Yeah. And so much uh, in those in between the dialogues is something that is like either implied or really not important. Like he turned towards the door. It's like, we don't care. <laughs> So, like, if I want a book to move faster, I'm just like, okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Cool. Let's proceed. <laughs> and then later, she's like, I didn't really care about the character. I don't know why. Like, I just didn't feel invested. I'm like, well, maybe. I didn't really get a good sense of space when I was reading. <laughs> I don't know where Maybe you missed that when he turned to the door that somebody came in. <laughs> it's not like I do that with every book. And there's lots of books I've read every single word of it. And I still don't care about the girl. I know. <laughs> I'm just hurt. I just like to give you shit. Oh boy. So dialogue. Oh, where where to begin with with the dialoguing? Where dust one begin? Next? One one <laughs> beginneth with conversations between fictional people. I feel like there's set rules with you know how to craft effective dialogue how do you feel about the the concept of knowing the rules before you can break them when it pertains to dialogue follow up things that i wasn't totally sure what you meant by rules Maybe you were gonna say that when i think about the rules of dialogue uh quote unquote i use air quotes a lot which is not great for a uh, a hearing medium. Podcast, a, pod- a famously visual medium. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think about like the grammar and structure, like dialogue cues go here and you paragraph to a new, all those things. When I think of the rules of dialogue, I think about the structure, not what's going in between the quotations, not the things they're saying. Right. And I think that those are incredibly important and you should follow all the rules because those are designed for clarity and understanding there's a standard and that helps your readers know what it is so absolutely use all of the grammatical and all of those rules yes although i do love when someone kind of throws that out the window in short stories and is like like one character literally doesn't have dialogue tags and just it's in the text. It's like you turn to them and say this or, or, or they just like don't have quotation marks anywhere. The entity is speaking in all capitals. Yeah. Unless it's like an incredibly stylistic and consistent thing. Like if you, if you have like a thing right. you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the know the rules so you can break them. But, yeah. you know, d- despite me personally kind of enjoying that when it comes to short fiction, most people don't. And uh, I, I have a friend of mine who, you know, submitted a few pieces <clears throat> that didn't have quotation marks and did some some dialogue stuff. And every time an editor would come back at them and be like, I'm adding quotation marks here for ease for the reader. And they were like, God damn it. <laughs> well, I like it when there's no quotations for maybe like an entity, like something that's not necessarily a physical being it's kind of cool to have no quotations there because it's like then you're like you don't know if that's just like a sound coming down from an unknown realm or something that's in their head like it adds a whole different element i don't mind those things but probably more in short fiction it's it's tough in a whole book i i tried to read margaret atwood and i'm just like 
I, I'm lost. <laughs> like, I can't. Which one? <laughs> Handmaid's Tale. It's like, I can't read a whole book where there's, like, I can't. <laughs> what is, what's missing from that? I haven't picked it up. The quotation marks around the dialogue. All of them? At least in the copy that I had. So <laughs> I don't know if that's like a general rule of hers or if it's that book or if I just got the shitty copy. I don't know. <laughs> so when I was thinking about rules, I definitely wasn't thinking about the grammatical rules. I was just kind of curious what other people were saying about dialogue. So I did I did some Google thing. They say things like, Use dialogue as you would actual speech and show what the characters are doing while they're talking and keep, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm just I was curious if you guys had any specific things that you've heard somebody say, like, you have to do this with dialogue. And you're like, absolutely not. Yeah. Earlier on when I first started to take this seriously, um, you know, I was listening to all the prescriptive advice. And I feel like a lot of that I've kind of, you know, tucked away and kind of bring out every once in a while, but kind of do my own thing. But when it comes to dialogue, there are two things that have always stuck with me from the very beginning. Uh, the first one is using said and asked basically exclusively when it comes to dialogue tags and like, you know, he whispered or he screamed or like, like the, just get rid of all that. And the second one is to use action tags for dialogue. And so those are the two things that I aggressively do in all my writing. Like, I, I almost never put, like, he said, she said. It's almost always action. That was my next question, is about dialogue tags. So how do you feel about them? So obviously you <laughs> you have very specific opinions on how you like to handle that. Because there are people in the camp of everybody, like, they said, after everything, don't use don't use anything else. And there are some writers who they're like, he growled after everything. And then there are people who are like, no, action only. So it's just mm -hmm. like to hear what other people like to do. I like to think <laughs> if you use all of the, the grammatical and structural rules of, of when to go to a new paragraph and things like that, with that, plus if you've created characters that have distinct voices or distinct you know character i like to use as few dialogue tags as possible you should be able to know who's talking based on their character and how you've framed it yeah based on what they're saying because when you get to like a, a real juicy part where it's just a conversation a back and forth you know a lot of people you just drop off those dialogue tags because it's like new line other person switch 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 so if you're doing those two things right you can use less and less dialogue tags but i i do agree with you ap using they said is so <laughs> bleh. and that's just something that if you have like a reader who reads a lot like their brain is just auto skipping over that anyway yeah it's the invisible word yeah whereas if you're using like they growled or she sighed or an action tag um it's giving you more insight into the character's personality instead of just the arbitrary they said well so the the action tags i'm talking about are not the he sighed he growled he whatever those things yeah those things i actually dislike i'm really finicky when it comes to dialogue and if it's done really well like nothing gets me sweatier than just a really 
awesome conversation where it's just flowing. And it's like, you know, punchy one, two, one, two, you know, who's talking, like you said. I love how much you come on here and talk about getting sweaty over things. Thank you I'm so much. Man. What do you want <laughs> Thank to you so you? much for, for admitting that. Um, and nothing upsets me more than poorly written dialogue where it's just like. Oh, shit. Don't read any of my old work, please. <laughs> okay. So can you give an example of an action tag that you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. So it would be like someone saying, um, what are you doing here? And then period, end of quotes. And then um, he gripped the edge of the counter while looking at her. Yeah. You know, so it's like. Separate thought, but it's it's expounding on what's happening with his emotions with that question. Because like there's so many different ways you can say, what are you doing here? Like, how does he actually feel when asking that question? You know? So, absolutely. Yeah. And it also helps, one, show an emotion of the character, and two, give you, like, a define your space of what's happening. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I like them. If you use it well, exactly, you can get a visual of what he, what the character is doing, what, wherever they are, and their physicality of their space and where they are in relation to the other characters and, uh, and all of that. Early days, I aggressively tagged my dialogue. You would hate it all, AP, and it would make you really upset. <laughs> But I mean, I, I do hope that I have I am really trying to practice that whole really trying to make sure that the characters and everything is very clear and who's talking so that I can tag as little as possible. Because when reading, I don't love dialogue tags. I don't love the you know, like especially I feel like rom romance and YA, they use a lot of the he growled. And I'm like, this is <laughs> I saw a meme the other day and they said, this is a romance book, not the animal kingdom. Okay. <laughs> like, it's just, I. How, how do you growl a word also? I don't understand the obsession using those things. Like let's, let's use the other, let's use the action tags, like an action sentence or phrase afterwards, then using these things over and over and over again. It's funny that we've been like using growled and sighed because those are like, even though I've been saying they sighed, I'm like, you can't really sigh a word. Like a sigh is an action. Like you can whisper a word. <sighs> Jamie. I sighed a word. <laughs> You're welcome. I just feel like it's a weird thing to say. It is, just it personally. Is. <laughs> it, it is. It's fair. And I think I don't necessarily think never use those. I have seen them used where I don't mind it. I would say be careful with those. All of your tags should not be those things because I think they slow readers down and there are better ways to get across what you're trying to do. Also, if there's like a, if you very specifically use something in an important spot, it can be impactful, but not if you use it all the time. Exactly. It loses its... And that goes for like a lot of different words. Um, and to play devil's advocate a little bit, even though I personally don't like it, uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff is a staple of some genres. Like you said, romance and YA. And some people do expect that when they're reading those genres. So that's more about knowing your genre and your audience. And, you know, it's fine. It's not for me. I don't like that. But but that is part of it. But that is part of it. And you that is correct. Thank you for bringing that up. 
And if you haven't already listened to it, go back and listen to our episode on genre expectations. <laughs> which hasn't come out yet, AP, but <laughs> we just, just recorded it. <laughs> I was like, hmm, hmm, I don't remember that one. In, in that, though... Um, the whole making dialogue sound natural and not contrived, I think those words kind of make the dialogue feel contrived. And it, it just that's my per, that's my take when I'm reading it, is that I feel like it's being forced to fit a genre expectation than it is feeling like something that would actually happen in this scenario. I mean, actually happen in air quotes where it's fantasy. But you know what I mean? Uh, totally. 100%. I, I agree with you completely. And that's part of why I don't really like YA and romance as genres because there is an element of like melodrama and like the, there's like a lack of verisimilitude that doesn't really jive with what I look for. Uh, some people go in and like that escapism and like the like stylistic choice and the kind of like... Uh, literary formatting that that gives you um but it, it, that's just not for me it, it, it sounds unnatural it sounds fake and so it's hard for me to get into it yeah that's a similar feeling i'm just it, currently my latest fixation is um and like not necessarily in like a i love it kind of fixation is uh jay christoph's uh the vampire book he wrote i don't know if you either of you have read that at all i've never read anything from him me neither I can see it being a stylistic choice for your book, but if it slows readers down, I mean, it slowed me down reading the way that he tags his dialogue and that sort of thing is is very much that. He's even said on his Instagram stories that he gets like the feedback from his editors trying to change everything that he says to they said or, you know, he said, she said, whatever loves the he growled he you know roared he mumbled like he loves that stuff and and obviously his fans do too because you know they come in droves for it yeah he has rabid fans for sure yeah so it's just interesting to me i think it just comes down to you know it comes down to taste when it went during these things yeah like i'm i'm a very judgy bitch mm, that's why we I've... get along <laughs> <laughs> but I've for years been training myself to be like, dude, that's just not for you. And it's okay that it's not for you. And I feel like I've maybe extended my life a little bit by like, not stressing myself out about that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with people liking that. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's just that it may not be for somebody else. And that's okay, too. To be clear, I'm like, I think it's fine to be a judgy bitch as long as you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. Keep that shit to yourself. <laughs> Just because you're a judgy bitch doesn't mean you have to like shit on anybody else's stuff. For sure. Being a judgy bitch and an asshole, I think, are two different things. And I'm both. <laughs> it depends on what field we're talking about. What what aspect. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I've never met a more supportive writer friend than AP, I've never so met a like, more you supportive can't be that asshole, asshole than you. <laughs> I gotta balance I like it, it all out, like you know? It. Keep people guessing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me read the note that I wrote before. Like we not we didn't plan this, but I said, "Don't just think about what needs to be said for your story. <laughs> think about how people actually talk to each other. It's a back and forth." Uh, my biggest pet peeve. Uh, I have so many pet peeves. There's no way to actually say which one's my biggest pet peeve because there's so many that share that spot. It's like a shelf with knickknacks. It's cluttered. There's. It'd be quicker for me to say what's not a pet peeve. Um, 
But when it comes to dialogue, the thing that drives me the most crazy is when there's like not a coherent progression of conversation. I have read books where it's like these people are having two different conversations. Like they're not even talking to each other because they're too busy trying to push the story forward. This person asks a question and this person says something completely unrelated. But the person who originally asked the question never tries to circle them back around or get an answer for that question. It just drives me nuts when in like all we're doing is just saying things, but we're not actually talking to each other. When characters are talking at each other instead of to each other. And there are situations where it might be like an argument or somebody's being evasive. But when you're trying to have that back and forth to make characters feel like real people, that does not work. So I think this is where dialogue gets really complicated. You always get told, you know, you want your dialogue to serve a purpose and you want to advance the plot and like do characterization and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then you also get told, you know, make your dialogue realistic and blah, blah, blah. But if you listen to how people actually talk, like if you listen to us, it's like, um, uh, uh, and we're like cutting each other off. And like, it, that would be absolutely horrendous to try and read. And so you have to find this kind of fine line between advancing the plot and having it work for fiction and not making it sound like it's just talking heads being like, well, you know, Bob, like it's, it's complicated. It's hard. Um, what you just said about like characters talking at each other and past each other, um, obviously anything can be done well and poorly. I actually really like when a conversation is done well, where the, the two people in the conversation have their own goals and they're trying to like have their own, like, no, I want to talk about this. And like, oh, well, I want to talk about this. And so they're like talking at and around and past each other. But as the writer, you have tools to call attention to that's what's happening instead of making it seem like that's normal and then not addressing it in any way. Done well, I think that that's going to be great. You have to know enough about the characters in the story to understand that that's being done on purpose mm -hmm. as opposed to just uh, it. this happened on accident and now I don't know why we're having this conversation. Yeah, I, th I think my tolerance for uh, meandering conversations is probably higher and I can just like... You know, if, if two people are talking and it's like kind of interesting and they're like it's showing cool character stuff, even if it's like a really quiet, slow mo moment, I'm I'm kind of OK with that. For me, it's on the other end where it's like like ask answer conversations where it's like, what are we doing now? Well, we have to do this. And it's just like <laughs> that's another part of that, like uh, conversations that are just for plot. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. all we're doing is moving the plot forward. Cause I mentioned like where it's like, seems like they're not talking to each other, but that can, mistake can also be made like, well, they are talking to each other. It's just not interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or they're doing like a recap or something, or it's like explaining elements of the world and how it works to someone who would know how that works in the world. Or there's nothing like in a TV show when people walk on screen and they say things like, you are my brother. <laughs> always hate that brother what are you doing here well i love you because you're my brother i'm like whoever actually talks like that says that <laughs> like i know i'm your brother what's wrong yeah, with you like, uh you hit your head be more like what are you doing you shithead like <laughs> yeah what you were saying ap about how people talk in real life so take a minute 
and listen to this episode and then read the transcript because what's actually happening is we're talking over each other and interrupting each other and I do my my damnedest to separate (laughs) out and Jamie actually does a really fantastic job originally in editing as much of that out as possible and shifting the dialogue so that people can actually hear what the other person's saying. But sometimes there's no helping it and it's all garbled. A transcript would be completely impossible. I keep us from talking over each other just so you guys can hear everything everybody's saying. Mm -hmm. Right. And every once in a while when somebody's laughing or something like that, I have to move things in the transcript so that you can hear the kind of order of how we're talking so that it makes sense. And so if you listen to the podcast and read the transcript, you can see that happening. Don't do that in your book. Like, don't don't have people. It's yeah. a mess. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like you want to make it sound real, but you don't. You want to make it sound like what readers are used to reading. That you don't actually want to make it sound like humans talk in real life. Because even in movies, they make sure that they do that, unless it's a, a choice. I think in a different episode, I mentioned like the show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They're always yelling and talking over mm-hmm. each other. There's a couple of movies that do this. Often they're um, like family movies with like groups Mm, of family mm -hmm. where they're all together and something like is either like a party or exciting or tragic in a hospital and people are just cutting each other off arguing over the dinner table type of thing yeah and you can have cutting off in a in a book and that sort of thing it's like but you don't really want it to sound like we all actually sound It's the it's the making choices about when to do those things. Mm -hmm. If you want to cut somebody off, you absolutely can do that. But you can't have that in every single conversation can. But you can't do that the whole book or you're going to lose people. So that's a choice. Or maybe you have a character that consistently cuts people off. Are they named Carly? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but how often are we actually talking to, to our friends and we're not even saying complete sentences because we know what the other person's saying or where we're going you just say you're just like building joke after joke after joke and it's like nonsensical if you transcript it it's just gobbledygook it, it doesn't make any sense yeah it's just like what the fuck are these people actually saying so trying to do that i mean obviously that's mega realistic for life but for reading that's horrible it's a nightmare we can't infer characters uh, inside jokes if you don't fill us in on them first. And so, I mean, sure, maybe later on you can, like, do a little inside joke thing, but you have had to set it up earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah, definitely one thing I noticed early on with editing where you're like, so many times you start a sentence and then you just stop the sentence because you were like, the point was across. Yeah. So why would I finish my sentence? You could tra- like, trail off into nothingness and you're like... And so on. Yeah, I think it's really difficult to look at natural sounding dialogue for writing novels from watching movies and TV shows because so much is inferred based on body language and tone. And those are tools that are very difficult to convey in writing effectively without being overly wordy or too on the nose. Yeah, but good God, do TV and movies also get real shitty dialogue? I mean, it happens, <laughs> for sure. It happens, like, a vast majority of the time. I'm like, who the f*** wrote this? I've been swearing a lot this episode. I hope that's not an issue. 
figure it out later. Figure Fix it in the post. Just like saying, I'm your brother or somebody explaining something where you're like, this person knows this. Why are they telling it to this person? Because in real life, I'd be like, yeah, you told me that yesterday. You wouldn't even let them get like to the third or fourth word. You'd just be like, yeah, yeah, you already told me. Yeah, exactly. But let me explain to you this very common knowledge that everybody in this world knows. And I know you know, but I'm going to say it again for the readers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Find another way to get that information across. Or just don't tell the readers. They can figure it out on their own. <laughs> I think things that are inferred are undervalued sometimes where it's like, oh, I didn't know this part. Or it's like, well, if you didn't pick up that part, you didn't pick up that part. Maybe some people are, do and maybe some people don't. And... I am a major fan of people having to infer when they read uh, to the point where I am way too vague when I write. And <laughs> Me too. My, uh, my critique partner and readers have to ask me, like, what does this even mean? I don't understand what you're talking about. So I have to I have to go back in post and add more. I'm an overwriter in some ways, like, you know, world building. Um, but in the other ways, I am an underwriter because I want people to, I, I love an element of mystery. I like for people to wonder what's happening in like an exciting way. But a lot of times I leave way too much out and they're like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I, I get that note. Often too. I get two notes all the time. The first one is, bro, you got to explain all these terms. Like, no one knows what any of these things are. You got to give us something. And the second one is, stop repeating yourself. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that I have received both of those notes <laughs> regularly. I have a question for you guys. It's not exactly dialogue related, but since you had mentioned, like, you have to explain these terms... Are those usually terms that you've made up or terms that exist? Terms I've made up. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. that is a fair That's note. A fair note. Yeah. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. totally. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But at the same time, depending on what it is, inferred. I mean, like a, a made up curse can be inferred to like that's a big thing is and you never actually say yeah. this is, means like this is my version of the F bomb <laughs> or whatever. But um I was just wondering about that because I've had uh, a couple of notes lately where like people are like, You have to explain this. I'm like, This is a normal thing that exists in our real world. Look it Google up. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you come across a word you don't know in something you're reading, you stop and look it up. That's part of learning. That's how you just learn. Just being a reader. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So this next thing that I want to talk about, Jamie's going to have to ask clarifying questions as per usual, because I don't know how to ask a distinctive question about it. It's an observation that I've made that I want to talk about the idea surrounding it. Vague concepts and theories. Cool. <laughs> vague concepts is my favorite. I have noticed that the two of you have very distinctive voices in how you like to write things. Your narrative style and your dialogue is also very engaging and interesting and feels different than your narrative voice. And I'm curious if there are ways you go about doing that or if that's just something that happens for you. Well, thank you, first of all. Yes, thank you. Those very kind words. Do you want the helpful answer or the truth? <laughs> I I want I want both. Okay. Give me the truth first. The truth is it just happens. 
same. It's just, it's just. God, <laughs> you guys suck. I'm do- I'm done. I'm out. I I entirely. No, 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 no. Okay. I wanted this podcast episode so you could teach me your ways, and you're not so, helping me. So the more helpful truth is that uh, it just happens because I've been doing this for years. You know the what was it ten thousand words or a million hours or whatever the the thing is, and just over the years of writing and trying things out and submitting things and seeing what works, uh, I feel like I've kind of got to a place where I have an author's voice in my writing, and then the dialogue stuff is just again practice. Like oh, that's this character, and this is kind of how I envision them in my head and how they would respond and. Usually my characters aren't depressed, nihilistic authors, you know, so it sounds different. (laughs) (laughs) I love that answer. That's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, the truth is like, oh, it just feels like something that happens. But to be clear, there are definitely different situations where those things are going to come easier as a writer. Uh, POV is a big deal. If I'm doing a first person narrative my my writing style is going to seem like it matches the character because that character is telling the story. Mm-hmm. Even though there is like a, a point of this is narrative style and this is a dialogue. The The third person narrative is where like that becomes more like this is narrative, this is dialogue. Um, I think like AP said, it comes more naturally the more practice you have. And so with my quote-unquote narrative style I also depending on the project adjust what that style is for the project and there are some books where I'm like okay if I'm writing the narration part this is me telling a story and as soon as I get to a dialogue if I've constructed a character properly I like it's like that writers are many people I I'm not myself writing I am this character saying what that character would say yeah and even with the the more stylistic narrative stuff that I've worked on in the recent years, it's almost like I'm not me telling a story. I'm the specific style narrator telling the story. So, you know, like you just become different people. <laughs> yeah. So so th- th- this I, I agree completely with what you're saying. And it, and it makes me think of a question for the two of you. Um, do either of you or both of you have like a constant running inner monologue? like IRL. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did just recently figured out that some people don't know. Like, me too. Crazy. That's crazy. I'm like, "What? <laughs> what was inner silence? Like what was that be like?" Uh Pe- peaceful. So yeah. peaceful. Like <laughs> yes, I do have an inner monologue running 24 oh. hours a day. Yeah. Sometimes it's not a monologue. I am several people in my brain <laughs> having a dialogue. Yeah, and and I feel like that's helped me with my dialogue and even with what you were saying jamie about like first person pov and all that it's like i have the inner monologue who's like narrating the stuff and then i have the actual things that i'm saying and they're different but this but the same voice it's still me but Mm -hmm. you know filtered through these are actually being said out loud versus being thought and that's where i feel like that like when you do it for so long that's why it feels like well it just kind of comes out of me at some point i don't know but because it's a hard thing to put into words My personal struggle comes in with the fact that my inner dialogue sounds like what we're recording. 
there's people talking. I mean, I'm talking over myself. I'm interrupting. Thoughts are starting and stopping. And so learning to separate out what's actually happening, what's like the undercurrent of what's happening in my brain is a exhausting endeavor sometimes. So sometimes I feel like that's how how one of the reasons why I struggle with the dialogue in writing is because when I start writing, that's how it comes out. And I'm struggling to figure out where I'm where am I going with all of this? I struggle getting to the point and then going back and having to finesse that to make it reflect that. That's why I think um, even though I know it's not always an option, being like in a focused state, being in a quiet room, having my phone off or less distractions can help with quiet those room. sorts of things. <laughs> the the more you can minimize the distractions and focus that can potentially help you uh, get more writing done and get better writing done. I, I go the opposite way. I go with really loud music in earbuds to just like drown out everything else. And then it's that just... is what works for me as well. Because the music, it's like, sure, it's loud and there's stuff going on in the music, but it's one thing. And if it's loud enough, I have to focus on it. I have to listen to it. But then that also, when I get in a flow of writing, that hits the background. Mm -hmm. Totally. But it keeps the thoughts quiet, except for what I'm actually doing. And and yeah, I agree. It's like the pain gate theory. You know, it's it's loud enough that it's just like it's the only thing and nothing else gets through. Absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a white noise. Yeah. Yeah. One of the tools that people use often in order to get distinctive character voices is they like to throw in dialect and accents. And I find it to be a challenging thing to agree with that as a choice because it becomes problematic very quickly give me your takes on that like i i don't really have questions i just i'm like dropping things and being like let's discuss what are your thoughts dialects and accents have been done really poorly by the wrong people yes a lot of the time uh, i think they absolutely can and should be done by the people that know what they're talking about, know how to like do it properly. Um, I think Marlon James, what's that giant book he wrote that had to do with like Jamaica? It's like historical fiction. I forget the name of it, but it has Black Leopard, like, Red Wolf. No, no, no. It's uh, not that one. It's like, a, I think it's about Bob Marley or around that time. Um, I haven't read it, but a couple of my friends have read it and really enjoyed it. A Brief History of Seven Killings. Yes. And obviously... He knows what he's doing, he knows what he's talking about, and is able to do it well. And that shouldn't be changed by an editor, and it shouldn't be clarified for, you know, a white audience or whatever. But so many times it's a white person doing an accent somehow. In their and for way. flavor. Yeah. And, and it just, just doesn't like, come across ugh. that way. It, yeah. It, yeah. I completely agreed. Yeah. So... I've seen it done poorly so often that even when I'm writing my own stuff and I'm like, oh, this person speaks in this way, I describe how they're speaking and just write it out and then let the person Autofill. read it in whatever voice. Yeah. 
The first thing I was wondering about was like, well, when it comes to like fantasy, specifically in my mind, I'm like, well, the Stormlight Archives, they've got like dozens of different cultures. And a lot of the times, kind of like you said, AP, where it's like, it just says in an Alethi accent, and then it's written normal. Yep. Uh, of course, when you listen to an audiobook, it's changed a little bit. I enjoy those types of things in the in the fantasy world because it's like there's a whole different culture. They have a different way of speaking. Yes, like totally. we don't all just sound like we're from the U.S. Right. And I think the Parshmen have like a really specific way of speaking too, right? Yeah, the Parshmen have a basically a different. Um, sentence structure that they use and then they also have a different aspect to their communication that's not speech related yeah and i thought that like that's done great yeah it's done really very well um and then you can even do it not even just talking about accents but talking about dialect like hagrid and harry potter the way he drops some of his what are they like g's um or you know there can be smaller things that aren't necessarily appropriating a whole culture. <laughs> yeah. I think the challenge that I've seen even in fantasy, though, is a lot of writers um, write medieval white fantasy. And so then other cultures are automatically, even though it's a different race, quote unquote, for their fantasy world, they are mass appropriating a culture in the real world. And so the challenge with with even with fantasy comes in to play where you're not being like, well, this is an Asian country and this is an African country. And like you can use inspiration from the real world. It's what we all do. Like it's impossible to not. We're informed by the world we live in. But also utilizing one country or one culture for your fantasy world and then using their accent or dialect i just i liked i just caution people and with the stormlight archives i haven't read that yet i'm working i'm actually just starting but the like what you're saying where they use a completely different sentence structure and i'm sure he frames it with the way their communication style is so it is a new and unique and fun thing not appropriating something that is in our world yeah it's it's so easy it's so easy to have characters just become caricatures at best or just like awful racist stereotypes at worst and it's just lazy it's lazy writing yeah it's lazy writing i figured we would all have a similar uh perspective on that but i felt it was important to discuss because it is something that is uh utilized so much in dialogue because as writers we really 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 want our characters to all sound different so we're like i'll give this one an accent and you know i feel like there's so much more you can do besides accent and ethnicity yes. in changing the way people i agree s- speak like even speech patterns are different regionally and then even just the way some people think about things they frame them in different ways than other people so that when they go to communicate they're not communicating the same way this other character would so there's a lot you can do it's just so much just so much to unpack <laughs> kind of building on that i find that even if you're using like a cockney accent or like a scottish accent like it you're not gaining as much as you think you are (laughs) by that you know like you're really slowing me down with this like 
if it's in a movie or TV show, like you could hear it, it's a lot easier process. But when you're trying to read it, you're just like, you just like hit this wall of like, all right, well now I'm reading a stereotypical Cockney accent and trying to figure out what they're actually saying. Yeah, and that's not helpful. Like it just stereotyping in general, like it's just not not good. And it that's what ends up coming across most of the time when you're trying to do like excessively stylistic choices with the way you're writing your dialogue. I completely agree with the standpoint of just write it. You know, if you want to drop a G at the end of uh, some words for a certain character, like I don't see the harm in, in small, small things like that. If you're framing the character around it effectively, but um, you know, the big stuff. Yeah. Like you're not gaining as much as you think. Agreed guys. Thanks so much for telling me basically nothing that I wanted to hear in the sense (laughs) that you're telling me that I just need to practice writing dialogue more. So just get good. Thanks for nothing. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh, No. (laughs) No, thank you. It was a really fun conversation. But here, you you, you want a tip? You want something to help? I mean, I was going to ask for your recommendation next. Is this? Well, the recommendation is different. Oh, so this this. is a free. How about some actionable advice? This is free? This is bonus free stuff. I like it. Read your dialogue out loud. Like read everything out loud because that's good. But like your dialogue, especially if you're reading it out loud, you're like, oh, no one talks this way. This sounds bizarre. Also, (laughs) if you trust somebody enough to read it out loud for Mm -hmm. you, because what you will also do, even if you read it out loud, sometimes you read it with the preconceived notion in your head of how you want it to come across, the inflection, the tone, everything. And having somebody else who doesn't know what you were trying to do, read it. Stumble through your words. Yeah. Humbling. Yeah, that's... Humbling indeed. (laughs) AP, do you have our two-cent recommendation? I do have a two-cent recommendation. On the topic of dialogue, I wanted to share a director who I think does dialogue really well. And that is Guy Ritchie. (gasps) (laughs) I love Guy Ritchie. Uh, Carly's getting sweaty. He makes me sweaty. (laughs) (laughs) his movies make me sweaty yeah you could pick apart his movies and like some are better than others and all that um but his stylistic choices when it comes to dialogue i think are super solid because it's believable but it's also in character and kind of musical and fun and like plays to the medium really well um yeah and like everyone's quippy but you're not like it's not like a marvel movie where everyone says one-liners like they are actually genuinely funny people being like genuine um the one conversation that jumps to mind is during king arthur's legend of the sword um at the beginning of the movie they're like explaining what happened in the morning to like a guardsman and it gets they like cut into each other they interrupt and cut and fast forward and all that it's just done great love that recommendation guy Ritchie is one of my favorite for sure yeah i love i love his movies I'm going to go. <laughs> it got awkward. You can find AP at AP Thayer on Instagram and Twitter. You can find him at APThayer.com. Read his short stories. They're fantastic. Thanks for being here again. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me back. So very much. 
Always a genuine pleasure. <laughs> what are, what are you doing so next silent week? After he said that? <laughs> okay. Right. We'll see you later this season. <laughs> Perfect. You can find us at the actbreak underscore podcast on Instagram, the actbreak underscore on Twitter. There is a transcript available for this episode in the description. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. You're not going to say bye, AP? Bye. <laughs> you did a visual <laughs> bye. Yeah. A great medium for podcast. They can see me. <laughs>